0: Everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where our main event is April 4th, 1986, in the Hartford Civic Center, Hartford, Connecticut. I am your co host, The Game, here with my fellow co host, Nob and Fig. Let's go ahead and give them a big, hearty, and chilly good evening, friends.
1: Good evening, friends. Hearty and chilly, good evening, friends. Burr. Was that, Nob, was that your game uh, impression? No, not quite. Just just H- my kiss-ass voice. Um, <laughs> I like it. Are you calling game a kiss-ass?
2: No, no, no. Only when I try and sound like game, I'm being a kiss-ass.
1: Like, oh, I okay. I thought you were mimicking him. By...
2: Game. No, never.
0: And
1: that's just
2: why a... I have all of my gold stars.
0: And that's just another gold star on the chart for Nob. <laughs> <Boop>. <laughs> Before we go into... I'll be good, I'll be good. (laughs) We'll see. We will review your stars at the end of the episode. Uh, Before we dive into our main event of April 4th, 1986, we are, of course, going to kick off uh, this week's episode with our Channel 6 News segment. Uh, And this week, we are kind of doing a... 2022 the music never stopped year in review type segment um and truthfully this was inspired by our good friends at the asbury park press Woo. thank Woo. you
1: <laughs> thank kind you a I- random publication to be doing something so grateful dead focused but I'm all I'm all about it.
0: I just kind of assumed it was um, an AP article, but no, it's very much an APP. Asbury, yeah, it's very much an APP article. It's very much a a Asbury Park Press original. Um a
2: surprisingly strong dead love and scene down in Asbury. Not just obviously the the dogs in a pile, who are are the up and coming jam band. If you're tired of Gooseby and the up and coming jam God. band. Um, but, yeah, in general, Are they, like, they've just got Asbury a lot of Park? Yeah, Focus, oh yeah. They're,
1: they're Asbury oh, wow. Park
2: locals. Now they're starting How to tour I out more that? nationally. But,
1: they, uh... Why have we not seen them?
2: Uh, they actually haven't. I, mean, I know you I, have. Well, I was supposed to see them this past weekend, and this will probably come up at some point again. But, uh, I wasn't able to make the show, but I, I was trying to see them at the Stone Pony this past weekend. They're oh, very yeah. good. So cool. Yeah, I saw them at See Here Now, which was in Asbury, and they were very much treated like hometown heroes coming back after Torin with, I want to say they were with Twiddle? Maybe that was after. I don't know. Anyway, the Grateful Dead. They are,
0: um, not to to go pivot to Dogs in a Pile, but I have heard a lot about them very, very recently, um... Yeah, they really much are the, the new up-and-coming jam band on the
1: scene. Uh, Actually, looking at their tour, um, you know, upcoming uh, and dates here, and uh, they don't seem to be stopping our way anytime soon.
3: No, I feel I'm sure
1: that'll of... change. Yeah. ma'am. I feel like I learned from
0: them from the uh, Long Strange Putt um, mm. Instagram. um
2: that makes sense
0: yes, and he's he's uh uh big into dogs in a pile, but anyway, yeah. uh we'll pivot from dogs in a pile back to our music never stopped in twenty twenty two um and there were um i don't know if I want to say a surprising amount of um physical music releases uh, this year in twenty twenty two um but I would say that there were a lot of, yeah. um, f- of music releases um, Grateful Dead-related in 2022. Uh, we had two volumes of Garcia Live, um, volume 18, which was January 2nd, 74, and uh, Garcia Live 19, um, which Ready, was October oh, 31st, 92. Um, then Bobby and the Wolf Bros released their June 21st Live in Colorado Red Rocks show. Um, and I believe that was also available on vinyl. Oh, cool. Um, Ooh, yeah.
1: yeah. Those I Garcia think... live volumes, um, they're definitely available uh, to stream. And I know that I dipped into 19 because I like early 90s uh, Joe Garcia Band. Um, it's good stuff. It's really awesome.
0: The Grateful Dead um, themselves uh, released In and Out of the Garden. Um, is it an entire Madison Square Garden retrospective from 81, 82,
2: and 83? Not 100% of it's every show played those three years, but it is two full shows from each of those selected years.
1: So it's a box set.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big box okay. set. But they only posted one of the shows on uh, streaming, the first show. Oh, uh, Okay. Which tends to be the, the move these days. The St. Louis box set got the same deal.
0: Yes, the MSG box set is six previously unreleased MSG shows. March ninth and it, 10th.
2: I'm fist pumping for being right.
0: <laughs> uh March ninth and tenth, eighty-one. Gold Star. Twenty another one, two for today. Uh twenty and twenty-first, nineteen eighty-two and October 11th and 12th, 1983. Um, 17 discs. My lord.
1: Yeah. Um, so my experience with Grateful Dead box sets was um, as, as the audience knows, as my co-hosts know, I'm a Spring 77 um, Stan, I suppose you could say. And so I bought the, the, um, the May 77 box set. And, you know, it was like I don't know. 12 discs, you know, like something crazy. Like, there was a ton of, um, you know, stuff that came with it. There was, like, a book, and there was a booklet with pictures and, you know, a ton of CDs. And the thing is, I just, I don't listen to CDs. Uh, you know, like, when I'm in the car, I'm not listening to music like that. And, um, it, you know, it never got really listened. Um, I did read the book about Cornell 77, and I think I talked about it on the podcast. Yes, but uh, that's it. Like, I I just, I don't think I would buy another Grateful Dead um, box set, you know, it's cool to have, it's cool to hold, but uh, unless you're a collector, um, I'm just kind of not into that sort of thing. Um, I don't know, it didn't yeah. really appeal to me.
0: That's that's sort of with um, with me and the um, large box yeah. set editions of vinyl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think they're really neat. But like... <laughs> You get some of these like you know boxes, and it's like, all right, you're getting forty eight you know lps. <laughs> and it's yeah. like like that's
1: a lot. It's just a lot of stuff, yeah, <laughs> that's
0: like that's not like that's not only a lot of stuff. That's like if I actually want to listen to this, that's like ninety six interactions with the music I have to make to get up, that's, put it on the turntable with the
2: dead. Like, when you're doing, like, a Europe 72 show, and you get a 35-minute the other one, I don't want to have to get up and flip the record in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, like, like I love the idea of it, but is it practical for the Grateful Dead's music? I don't know. Maybe that's a 2023 discussion.
1: I Um, guess if you have one of those automatic turntables, but I don't, so I would have to get up um and so that is, seems impractical and also i think we've all just been spoiled by the archive and you know i'm going to plug the archive like i typically do this whole project and this whole podcast exists because we have access to the archive it streams right into your computer um or your phone or whatever and you can just listen to a grateful dead show the way that if you know you were a uh, audience member and and that's pretty cool that's an amazing experience that we get for free
0: not every only time. can you listen to, you know, pretty much every single Grateful Dead show, but the majority of all shows have multiple different versions. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Different, um, you know, recording techniques, microphones, um, soundboards, matrices, the whole nine yards. Um, you're right. I think we are just incredibly spoiled. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> with with but all also, the options. like, with vinyl, and especially with music like The Lengths of the Dead's, uh, with their releases like Europe 72 or Live Dead they could better cater because they were being selective i don't know mm-hmm. if my point is making any sense to anyone but me but i think i like, They they could make sure that there weren't weird spots where you have to get up and turn the record in the middle of the song because they had that control when curating these these releases whereas with the oh, live shows when they're in full You get 20 minutes on a side, and the cuts happen where they happen. Um, And there's just not much you can do comparatively.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, a a lot of the Grateful Dead's early um, live offerings were were very much contrived in that way. Like, okay, like, you know, we did what we did, but now it's got to get onto a disc, you know, or onto vinyl, excuse me. And also, I mean, you know, Pulling back the curtain a little bit, you know, they did do a lot of uh, overdubs. I know, at least on Dead Set, or uh, Dead Set, and then um, yeah. um, So you know, there's there's other stuff going on behind behind the curtain besides just like here's a show, um, which is what MSG, you know, with this box set kind of felt like. Rounding out
0: the year for physical releases, um, Mickey. And the boys in Planet Drum um, released In the Groove. Um, It featured Mickey Hart with a whole bunch of percussionists whose names I cannot pronounce. So I will go with last names. Uh, It was Mickey (laughs) Hart with Hussein, uh, with Apojo and Hildago. Uh, And Planet Drum uh, was obviously an all-around great vibe. And an experience that's at once hypnotic and thrilling.
1: So this is one of my big misses for the year. I saw Zakir Hussain um, in in Princeton, uh, I think in April, and he's a tabla player. Um, so yes, in, in, I remember Indian that instrument. discussion. Yeah, and and it was phenomenal. It was very very cool. Uh, it was him, and then I think there's a sitar player, and there was another instrument like uh, it was a violin. Um, hmm. And it was it was phenomenal music. And then at that point, I heard about In the Groove, or I, that Plan Drum was coming out with a new um, album. And I was like, Oh! And then they were going to go to the Capitol. I was like, I'm going to go see him. And then I just promptly forgot all about everything. <laughs> so totally dropped the ball because uh, I would have been I would have seen uh, Zakir Hussain again, which was re- which would have been really cool. Um, and I of course, their uh,
2: really. live stream they opened for the Wolf Brothers in like May of this past year. Um, and I watched the whole thing. And if I'm being honest with you, I, I kind of started the stream, kind of planned to listen to Planet Drum in the background while I like got mm-hmm. work done, and then you know pay a little more attention to the Wolf Brothers. But I was instantly taken with the band. They wow. had some really for a, an instrumental percussion ensemble. They were able to make a very uh, varied show with really cool different rhythms and sounds being played with over an hour. Um I didn't wind up listening to this album either, but I am always impressed with what I hear from Planet Drum.
3: Yeah.
0: Finishing up the year in Grateful Dead related releases, we have the boys over in Dos Hermanos. Uh you know them as Tom Constantin um and Bob Bob Brolov and they released uh The Persistence of Memory. Um I'm not apparently to...
1: that was a kind of a spacey kind of uh instrumental um that project. No
2: Tom Constantin.
0: Um no wonder that release was not on my radar this year. <laughs> um, I don't but... think I've heard
1: of it. I don't think it was on <laughs> anybody's radar. Uh but imagine well... we'll hear about it um yes we the, yeah
0: we will hear about it on the bob bra ama on january 6th so please um that was a nice little uh plug there for bob's ama on january 6th will i got a gold
1: star for that yes you do yes that's one
0: one for Man. the day um <laughs> Not only um, were there obvious physical um, music releases in 2022, obviously there were concerts as well. Uh, and a quick little um, year in review there. Um, this year was the 50th anniversary of Europe 72. Um, and earlier in the year, there was a uh, Darkstar Orchestra um did the 50th anniversary tour um of Europe 72 and Billy Strings um while he hasn't played any grateful dead related music in a while he's also um if he's not still in Europe he just came home from Europe very very recently he might he, still be his there
2: last Europe show was on the 12th
0: 12th uh wow. okay so 10 days ago um but yes yeah, so <laughs> at this he,
2: point in the year it all it all really the days does. combine and melt into a dream as it were it really does
0: um so we had uh dso and billy in europe um also um we had of course the dead and company tour um to last tour yes the uh, penultimate no Good i guess word. that would be yeah. P- yeah. Oh, guess... right
1: yeah, that's penultimate. Uh, w- yeah You be, got a gold or, star for be... that that's a gold oh. star word
0: well or would it be pits Displaying in the sand count?
1: Oh it's as I a, tour. Count pits as a tour. I would not count. Yeah, that's
2: they're in the yeah. same place for three nights.
0: And it's just for the high end deadheads. Um so <laughs> the um,
1: money making thing.
0: Did you see that Goose has a pits lottery?
2: Yeah. I
0: was oh, like,
1: wild. Yeah. I actually didn't see that. I thought you were
0: just yeah.
2: gonna say, Did you know Goose? and I was like, Yeah.
0: No, I was on their Instagram today and they have a a, a pits lottery wow. and I was like
2: I didn't think they still had spots for pits still open.
0: I and the Goose fans were like, Pooh, I gotta hit the lottery to even think about going <laughs> So um Yeah, so um the penultimate company tour. Um the uh, first official meeting um uh, meeting um happened. It's actually meeting. Meeting I poo! Uh, my Pennsylvania Dutch <laughs> ass can't say that. <laughs> um uh knob M- and myself finally met yes. for the first time at the philadelphia show um and Speaking earlier before, before we started recording um i made mention that my phone often reminds me <laughs> of that moment in philadelphia and, it's, and i think it was perhaps maybe like the one photo i took <laughs> of um in in philly that day uh, but my phone yeah. is often reminding me of knobs and i meeting um in philadelphia um and, of course, there was J-Rad as well. Um, J-Rad, at least as far as we at the show are concerned. Uh, Peach Fest, um, Montclair, New Jersey at the Wellmont, and Philly the Met. Um, Knob and Fig, you uh, can comment on that a little
2: bit. I've seen yeah, so much J-Rad up. this uh, year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. We met up at the uh, Wellmont Theater in Montclair, and we were in the pit, and it was an awesome, awesome show. And I snagged yeah, a, a the, photo with uh, Nob. Oh, and I met Mr. Nob, who would be yes, Nob's dad.
2: my dad was there. Um, yeah, it was. we got those tickets for my dad for his birthday, and uh, they were the big birthday present. And our in-house, uh, the way that we were going to try and make it even more special was that we tried to like tell my dad that the tickets had sold out and that, like, oh no, we weren't able to get him before they sold out, and then we were going to surprise him with them like right before his birthday. But that just made him very sad. He would just look at me every few days and be like, I can't believe we missed out on those J-Rad tickets. And after like two weeks of this, I went up to my mom and I was like, we have to tell him that we actually got the J-Rad tickets. I can't keep <laughs> looking in his eyes like that. Uh, but yeah, it was a really cool... Both of those nights were incredible. I've seen j a lot at this point in life and that is my favorite run that i've caught so far
1: yeah that was awesome that was very special very special and then i saw I them that you in... guys
2: weren't there on the first day because the first day they did help on the way and i was like damn <laughs> that would have been perfect oh,
1: sweet yeah no it was a good time i'm, I'm really happy yeah. you did that and then uh, i saw them in philly at the met which was not as good of a time as uh you know we talked about on the podcast Uh, But here's to J-Rad in 2023.
0: And then that pretty much wraps up the 2022 year in review. Music never stopped. Um, Knob or Fig, um, did I miss anything or anything you want to go over that was not on that list?
2: Well, there's, of course, the launch of the greatest and I would argue only Grateful Dead themed podcast. The Help on the Way podcast, which started in February of this year, which I would assume makes everyone's news for uh, most important Grateful Dead related events of the year.
1: All right
2: um it would
0: be pretty incredible if there was like a top five like news stories of the grateful dead of 2022 and the launch of the help on the way podcast was like number four I mean, yeah, here's yeah. the thing
2: they, I they don't, they don't even we're... have the bit about dead and co-announcing the end of their last tour but we our podcast absolutely makes the list Just it's it, dominated it's like it's like number five
0: it's like number five billy sits out show number four <laughs> help on the way podcast launches <laughs>
2: I think, if anything, we deserve an article for absolutely nailing all of our predictions about what the Dead and Company tour was going to be like.
3: I agree.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, this has been a fun year, though. I think this episode will be episode... F- no, 49? Uh, 47. 48. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, almost 50 episodes in. It's been almost a year now and uh what a year it's been been, this is this has been a lot of fun i'm glad to be on this ride with you guys likewise
0: what a long strange trip nice nice he said the
2: line (laughs) he said the line (laughs) roll credits good night everybody (laughs)
0: um on to our main event of um this episode April fourth, nineteen eighty six, the Hartford Civic Center, Hartford, Connecticut. It was a
3: Friday night. Um and it was just a I don't know. It was a
0: good show, in my opinion. Um but maybe a uneventful and unmemorable show. Uh, but we will discuss our thoughts on that. Um, set 1 of April 4th, 1986. Uh, the show opened with Jack Straw. Then we got Wolf, C.C. Rider, Candyman, All Over Now, Crazy Fingers, uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told, and the absolute final Keep Your Day Job performed by the boys. Um, Fig. What were your thoughts on set number one?
1: Yeah, cool. So uh, this was a audience recording, but it was a very good audience recording. Um, and Charlie Miller was involved in, in something of the transfer. I'm not really sure what a transfer is. Um, I don't think he did the mixing. Um, this, but um, what, what I've noticed throughout this year of actually paying close, close attention to um, what I'm listening to in the archive is there's a lot of hands. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen uh, to yeah. you know, produce what goes on to the archive, um, and uh, and that's pretty cool. So you know, I like to give Charlie Miller um, you know credit, but there's a ton of credit to to go around as well. Um, so this was an audience tape uh, that sounded very very good. It starts off with Jack Straw, which uh, was uh, pretty fast and pretty poppy, and I think that was a theme of the night. It was a pretty kind of. I don't know. Poppy night. It was it was it was zippy. We'll we'll get to the zippy. But um, that was that was my main um takeaway uh from Jack Straw. Uh, Direwolf was just okay. Nothing much to add there. CC Rider is one that I don't rate very highly. Um, but I really did like this version, and um, there was this really cool kind of um solo progression um throughout. And so I kind of uh chronicled that. So I'm gonna go down that. Um, generally, CC Rider, uh, had a really good swing and rhythm to it, but then we get to Jerry, who had a pretty decent, uh, blues guitar solo, which goes into a Brent Midland solo, and Brent's solo was kind of laid back, uh, kind of, it just reminded me of, like, a, almost like a, what you'd hear, like a dive bar, um, knob or game. Are you familiar with Bob and Barbara's in Philly?
0: No.
3: It's a a bar
1: on, I think, South Street, but, like, uh. Okay away from, you know, not, not like the touristy part of South Street, like, like on the other side of Broad. Mm. So Bob and Barbers is, is, it's a dive bar. It's a Pabst Blue Ribbon themed dive bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and you can go there and get your Philly special, which is a Pabst Blue Ribbon and a shot of, I think it's Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Friday and Saturday nights, they have a jazz band and and which is really cool, and it's really cool to to listen to. Um, and it's just like has this really old school feel to it. And that was what Brent's solo reminded me of. So it wasn't great, but it did have a place that took me to somewhere um that that I liked. Uh, and then Bobby comes in with his slide solo. And uh, it was okay. Uh, It wasn't terrible. Uh, But, you know, Jerry kind of starts noodling in the background um, until it was his turn to take over. And then Jerry takes over um, uh, for another solo, and then all three solo, and then the crowd roars. And that was really cool. So that was fun to listen to with CC. Ah, uh, Candyman. Um, I thought that um, it was a great intro by by Jerry. Jerry really played the hell out of this intro. Uh, it was a very slinky style of of intro. Um, he didn't sing it very well. Um, but his solo was pretty awesome. All over now, um, was pretty fast and and uh, I think it was a little too fast. But Jerry was keeping up. I think it actually challenged Jerry, and it was kind of cool to hear him do his licks. Um, and then we get to Crazy Fingers. And that was not very good either. I think Jerry was kind of lost in in the uh, lyrics. He he really wasn't singing too too much. There was a decent jam at the end, um, which was completely ruined by the band just an abrupt U turning into greatest story ever told. Um, did not work for me whatsoever. Like those two songs are diametrically opposed in. Uh, feel and rhythm and probably key and other things that only knob might understand. Um, so it was very jarring. I didn't like it. It Wasn't a very good version. Um, the ending did have a pretty decent instrumental section, which which I liked, and that went into day job. And it was the last ever day job. And that's the only thing that I can say about day job because I didn't <laughs> write any notes about my my thoughts about day job except. That's it, folks. Um, Nob, what were your thoughts on April Fourth, 1986?
2: And you're not going to believe this, but I agree with you on some of those points. And I disagree with you on some of those other points. For tradition. Um, yeah. Uh, I like the Jack Straw. Uh, it's got a nice tempo to it. It's definitely a zippy 80s Jack Straw, but it never feels like they're tripping over their own feet. There is a couple of songs later on in the night that I think Feel a little too fast and it starts to trip over itself. This is not one of them. Bobby's super into it. Nice licks from Jerry. It's a really fun opening. Um. I thought Direwolf was a lot of fun. I thought it had a good groove. Jerry's voice to me was the only real giveaway that this was a mid-80s Direwolf. You could have told me this was an early 80s or a late 80s Direwolf. And I'd asked no questions except for that little bit of croak in Jerry's voice. Um. I. <laughs> I've already gotten into an argument with my dad about this take, but this CC Rider was the highlight of the set for me. I, oh. I've been told that when Candyman's in a set, I'm not allowed to say that CC Rider is the highlight of a set, but I liked this one the best. It my has dad a very has some nice... pretty
1: strict rules in that household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds like an authoritarian man.
2: Uh, it's a very nice tempo. Uh, it gives me shades of "Next Time You See Me" in its groove more than the usual Grateful Dead CC Rider. That mm-hmm. little bit of pep, I think, is really the big difference for me. It like a um, swing. Yeah. yeah, Bob's slide solo. I-, I would describe as inoffensive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not. Toast. Yeah, it's not great, but not grating. So Ooh. I'll take it. Wordplay. Cool I wrote stuff. that about. Two hours ago, and I've been waiting to say it on the podcast ever since. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they, I agree with you, that, that peak at the end when everybody's doing their solos together and the organ's really going, mm. I was wooing right alongside the crowd. Um, Candyman's a nice breather. I Honestly, listening to as much 80s Dead as, as we listen to, it is kind of nice that they took this long to give us a breather. Normally the breather comes two or three songs in rather than song four. And that was nice. Um, I found a little technical sloppiness from Jerry on the opening to this this uh, Candyman. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I thought that he had the feeling behind it, so it didn't really bug me. But there were definitely notes that were not played correctly, uh, and it, like, especially it was... on second list and that stood out to me.
1: I, I will agree with that, but I think it worked in kind of like a sloppy blues kind of way. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, was... yeah, yeah. It was almost like humorous, like like there was some humor and and joke and and joking in, in the intro. Um, it was really cool to hear. At least you had to well, agree with that. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: no no no, okay. and I, I I like the feeling behind it, and it it works for me in a similar way to. I kind of like Jerry's gritty vocals here. Uh, hmm. There there's definitely not it's uh, not the sweetest sound you're ever gonna hear out of Jerry, but this is a song about an outlaw whose life is all a mess. So I, I don't mind a little bit of grit there. Um Yeah, especially noting... for
1: Jerry in pre-Coma 86.
2: Yeah. The 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 vocals do get rougher as the song goes on though. You verse verse three sounds worse than verse one. Um All Over Now was fun, but nothing particularly awe inspiring. Uh There's almost shades of Cumberland blues in that intro with how fast they were playing it. Mm -hmm. I kind of got lost for a second and thought, Cumberland? No. Okay. Um, it went on longer than I thought it would. There was a little more gas in the tank than I expected. Uh, not a super shreddy solo from Jerry, but a very melodically sharp solo. I think you're absolutely right that this was a nice kind of challenge for him at this point. Um... Yeah, that was a bad Crazy Fingers. It, it was rough. Jerry just got lost. Jerry, It's a hard song, and I don't really fault him for getting lost, but he doesn't quite know the words, he's not 100% on the chords, I, It, and the rest of the band is doing the best they can, but they can't make up for that. They just can't. Not when he has the melody. Um, the second jam, I agree with you, definitely recovers the energy a little bit, I will politely call it an interesting transition into Crazy Fingers, uh, or from Crazy Fingers into Greatest Story, just because I've never heard that combo before.
1: Would you I say it was really great, wanna... but not grating?
2: No, um, I I would call it interesting, uh, okay. <laughs> and end it there. Uh, Greatest Story was tight. It was it was a nice bit of ripping. Uh, drummers were killing it. Bobby and Brent had some nice backup for Jerry's solos. I liked this day job. I don't know. It's it's like when a light bulb shines really brightly the minute before it dies. Like it it feels like they put all the energy they ever wanted to put into day job over the next ten years or whatever into this single day job. It's really nice soloing from Jerry. This chord progression you can tell is really nice for how he plays. Uh, Bob's energetic harmonies add a lot to the chorus to me, and it never gets on my nerves that bad. I'm not a day job fan, even though I've I've said two day jobs are really good. But this one worked for me. I really enjoyed it. What did you think, game? Um,
0: I'm going to echo pretty much um, most of your 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 boys' thoughts here. Uh, Jack Straw, I thought was okay. Dire Wolf, I thought was okay. Uh, I did enjoy CC Um I think Candyman was my highlight of set one. Um, but like your dad, knob um Candyman is always uh, a highlight when it's in a set so uh candy i think is my set one winner um all over now was fast crazy fingers was terrible um greatest story <laughs> ever great, greatest story ever told was okay um and i didn't hate day job honestly um it's probably a, a good way to think about it that they really just put all of their you know Effort and gumption into the very final day job because I don't think this one sounded awful. Um, maybe no, if I maybe if it be- entered the oh. rotation, starting so good like this one, yeah. It Guys, I have be... some
1: bad news for y'all. Oh, uh, this might be the Grateful Dead's last day job, but I can promise you it's not our last day ah. job. <laughs> well, yeah, we're
2: never we're never done. <laughs> I mean, we have one next week. Oh, um,
0: I don't, I don't know. No, no, no. Eighty-two, 82. negative.
1: No. Yeah,
3: it, it'll happen. We've don't been, worry. When the, we get unstuck
2: in time, like we've been, we'll we'll
1: keep, <laughs> we'll keep hearing it. Yeah, maybe we'll kick in twenty twenty three with a day job.
3: Ooh. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, set two um, kicked off with a touch of gray, into looks like rain into He's Gone, into Smokestack. Uh, Then we got Drums in Space, uh, The Wheel, Stella Blue, uh, Throwing Stones, uh, Love Light, and then the show ended with an encore of Box of Rain. Uh, Nob, what were your thoughts on Set 2?
2: Liked it. Um, If Set 1 was full of more upbeat and poppy tunes, I really appreciated how weird and jammy we got, especially in the middle of this second set. Um, It's a fast Touch of Grey. This is one of the songs that I think trips over its own feet. Mm -hmm. It's got nice energy to it. I always like a a little more piss and vinegar in Touch of Grey. Brent's harmonies are nice. You can tell the crowd's loving it on the the odd, but it gets a little too caught up in itself. I did question Looks Like Rain on paper, having Looks Like Rain, and he's gone next to each other especially, but man, That Looks Like Rain was barely a ballad. If if Dead & Co played a Looks Like Rain that fast, Bob Weir's hands would fall off. (laughs) I, I really liked the Looks Like Rain, not just because of the tempo, it's a song that works at a slower speed, but... Uh, Bobby's ad-libs, and especially that build at the end when it mm. the energy started to get bigger and bigger and bigger made the whole journey worth it. Really nice. The crowd was into it. I liked it. One of my favorite parts about listening to an odd is getting to hear what the crowd reacts yeah, to. So it absolutely. was fun hearing the crowd singing along to every word of He's Gone. There was There wasn't really another song that night where everyone was just singing along with it. And that was nice to hear. It was fun to hear the crowd sing Jerry's Europe 72,
3: smile, smile, smile,
2: while Jerry did some lower smile. Uh, yeah. It was a fun little accidental harmony, which was cool. Uh, I did, I, I mentioned missing dogs in a pile this weekend, so when they got to that lyric, it kind of stung. Um, the transition into Smokestack is a highlight of the show for me. Uh, there's tastes of spoonful. Yeah. It's a little bit jazzy, a little bit bluesy. You get some really nice vocal runs from Jerry. Uh, Smokestack is a slinkier Bobby blues compared to the CC Rider we got earlier. The jam out of Smokestack, I cannot, I I cannot talk about how much I like it enough. It, it it's probably the truest bluest improvisation we're gonna get tonight outside of drum space. It felt like one person in the band wanted to play Fire on the Mountain and the other person wanted to play Turn On Your Love Light. And so they compromised with drums. But it was. <laughs> and then later, I Love really Light. liked. Yes. And I really liked the journey that we were taking on for those few minutes. Uh, and I liked drums. The drums started off like a pretty standard 80s drums, groovy beginning from Bill, and then it descended into chaos. But once we got the beam in there, like, it was just scratching my brain just right. It really started to feel like Primal Dead to me, weirdly. Especially when they started, like, scraping the the beam strings and getting that, like, shriller. There was some high beam stuff that genuinely closing your eyes reminded me of 60s Jerry playing guitar in a spacey Dark Star before it's come back in. Uh, space was lovely. Jerry's melody combined with pedal effects took us on a really beautiful journey into wheel, which was fun. I don't, all, the only two words I wrote down were fun wheel. Um,
1: I just Stella was wheel. beautiful.
2: It was fast, but it still hit all of the emotional moments that I wanted out of it. The ending jam was really lovely, evocative, a bit of, of looks like rain. And then Throwing Stones is a highlight of this show for me. It has awesome awesome energy. Uh, I liked hearing Bobby say, uh, the future's here. We are it. You are on your own instead of we are on our own. A fun little slight change to the lyric. The angst worked nicely. It was still groovy. It works for me. Uh, uh, A sharp transition into love light. Short but sweet. Come on. Tell me you guys didn't want Pigpen to tell you to get your hands out of your pockets for 10 minutes. You really... I thought this this love light should have been 5, 10, or even 25 minutes longer. Um, Wow. And a fun Boxer Rain encore. The crowd went nuts because Phil had only brought that song back about two weeks prior. So for a lot of folks, this was their first time hearing Boxer Rain live. And you can hear it in the crowd, especially at the start of the song. That people are losing their minds. Uh, I thought it was a well done rendition. Nothing particularly uh, crazy in Phil's vocals. And it was well played. Uh, I liked this show way more than I thought I was going to going into it, even this morning. What did you think, Fig?
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, I liked it, too. Um, I, I did like it. So we're, start, we're starting with touch, and uh, this was definitely a zippy touch. Um, right. I, I do agree that they were kind of tripping over themselves on this one. Uh, it was also a meh touch. Again, I'm still looking for that good live touch. Um, it's elusive, uh, and this was, this was not it. We get into looks like rain, which didn't really do too much for me. I mean, you could tell Bobby was singing his heart out, but it just wasn't really doing it for me uh, until the end the end things really started picking up, and then uh, Bobby kicks in a vocal effect you know with a lot of like delay and a lot of echo and then I think uh, Jerry must have put um, a you know, delay on, on his uh, guitar sound, too, and, and it just created this awesome swell. And then, uh, Nab, as you alluded to, you know, one of the great things about listening to an odd is you can hear the crowd go crazy, and, and there's a huge swell in the auditorium that really came through on the live tape, and that was amazing to hear. Uh He's gone. I don't have much for, except when we get into the transition to Smokestack, and those two really paired very strongly, and Jerry was, you know, s- sewing... Songs together and set to very masterfully, and that's and that's certainly one of them that I would suggest people listen to. Uh, Smokestack again, we have Bobby just singing some great vocals, uh, great vocal lines, uh, and that brings us to Drums in Space. I actually did listen to Drums in Space this time. I particularly liked this space. Um, it was uh, it had some pretty trippy, um, you know, sounds throughout. Um, oh, droning sounds throughout, um, which mm-hmm. was uh, really cool to hear. And I appreciated that this this, um, this week. And the wheel, I just uh, drew a stick figure of a wheel. And <laughs> Stella was very pretty. Uh, and then uh, Brent actually had this really cool um, synth sound. It was a synth sound that I had never heard him use before. Um, and, it, and it complimented Stella very, very well. Uh, and then Jerry transitions that to um, throwing stones, which was a good version, uh, and made Probably better because Jerry didn't really let it linger too long. Uh, I think we had a Throwing Stones from last week, which was actually a, a phenomenal Throwing Stones, but it was just a, a tad bit too long. And that brings us to Lovelight. And and I will not share in Knob's hot take that we needed 20-minute Lovelight here. It was short. It was sweet. It did exactly what it needed to do to send people on their way home. But before we go home, let's all freak out because uh phil lesh is gonna sing you box of rain which was good uh phil was having fun uh it got better when he got vocal help with uh the actual singers in the band uh and that was set too actually reading it i think i liked it better um than uh i realized game what were your thoughts it was good
0: i uh i really enjoyed set two um touch of gray i enjoyed uh looks like Rain was good. Um I really enjoyed He's Gone. Um I don't necessarily know why or I can't really pinpoint why I should say. Yeah, why why that one really stuck out to me, but um He's Gone definitely the highlight for my set too. Um really enjoyed the transition um between He's Gone and Smokestack as well. Um I did listen to a little bit of drums. All right. Um Yep. Um, The Wheel uh, was good. Uh, Stella was okay. Um, Throwing Stones really enjoyed it. Um, Love Light, it was Love Light for me. Um, And I always love, 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 love hearing the crowd go crazy for anything. Um, And when those first opening notes of Box of Rain started and they realized what was going on, the roof blew off. (laughs) of the Hartford Civic Center, and I thought that was pretty cool for um, one Phil Lesh. Um, and I frankly, I, I think it's cool whenever they go crazy for when Phil sings. Um, I don't know why I think that's so cool. Maybe it's because he's just not a good singer. Um,
1: it's kind of a meme, I, I feel. Yeah! yeah. Um,
0: but like, like a lovable meme. No yeah sure, not like, like...
1: You're, and you it's something you get to participate in because you yeah. get the meme. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. it that just always gives me the warm and fuzzies when I hear people go crazy. Um so yeah, yeah, um this show in my opinion, um at least for my taste, um was way better than it had any right to be. Um I read some of the reviews on mm-hmm. the archive. Um and a lot of people were down on Jerry's mood and energy and it wasn't a good show. And it's hard to believe he even made it on stage. And I'm like this he's gone is great. What are these people talking about?
1: (laughs) Um, But you you got to take those comments with a grain of salt. There are moments of the show that I
2: can hear what they're saying. The crazy fingers being an obvious uh, standout, but, across the entire show i wouldn't say that that's fair at all
3: yeah, yeah
0: i agree um really the crazy fingers is is the worst part of this show crazy fingers um, yeah and that stinks because you know i love crazy fingers but
1: sometimes you don't get a good crazy
2: fingers and yeah that's, that's part of the that's part of the deal
0: it's, you know, I'm you not just in have...
2: general, with this show, the songs that excited me on paper weren't necessarily the ones that did it for me, and the songs that I might have just gone, eh, okay, whatever, turned out to be my favorites. Good call.
0: Um, Book of the Dead voting. Uh, Nob, how about you?
2: Now, this is going to sound funny, because I've spent some time humming and hawing over and, and going back and forth about shows that are probably better than this. But yeah, this makes my Book of the Dead. Wow, um, nice. There, besides that crazy fingers, there's really nothing here that didn't work for me. I don't expect this to be a big <laughs> uh, Book of the Dead show for us. But weirdly, yeah, on both listens, I couldn't help but think this makes my Book of the Dead.
3: Um, I'll I'll vote next. Um,
0: ooh, this is a harder question than i thought it was gonna be um i like this show i really did um (laughs) i didn't i I didn't really even hate day job um (laughs) you know what put it down
1: yeah wow it makes mine as well okay so as uh frequent listeners and my co-hosts certainly know um if all three of us decide that this is a show that makes our Book of the Dead, we have to play the whole show. Um, and I am going to disagree, and yeah. I'm going to say this does not make my Book of the Dead. Uh, this was a good one. It it wasn't... I don't know. Um, I, I can't subject people to the entire show. Um, in good conscience.
2: Yeah, that to be a real easy set vote. Since you are yeah, unable, but I, we
1: we probably do agree on the set. I mean, I, I, and and you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. Sometimes we chat about our thoughts um, about this about the show in our little Discord chat. And um, I I told the the crew here that I felt that the transition between Crazy Fingers and Greatest Story was barfy, and I just can't unleash a barfy song to Are good listeners, so I'm gonna go with no, but we can talk about sets.
0: So then, which set would you select?
1: I would say, I would say set two.
0: Um, I'm going to agree with set two,
2: yeah. Maybe I'd have a hard time deliberating if there wasn't a crazy fingers, but that I genuinely that song (laughs) is probably what makes the difference for me about which set should be shown. Uh, but yeah, I'm team set two. Okay, cool
0: so please stick around as always after this podcast for set number two of april 4th 1986 we only had one Reddit comment this week, which is a little bit better than our average of zero uh, these past few weeks. Um, this Reddit comment is from our friend 091882, uh, and they state that looks like Rain through Stella is Killer Jerry. Um, yeah,
3: I, I can't agree. disagree
0: with that. Yeah, I can't disagree with that thought. Uh, next week, we are featuring December 30th, 1982, the Oakland Auditorium Arena in Oakland, California. Um, the boys on this night had some help uh, yeah, from yeah. Etta James and the Tower of Power Horns. Um, we won't go into the entire set, um, but it looks like a pretty good show. Um kicks off with Alabama Getaway. Um uh, we get a Duprees, which I always enjoy. Um set two, we get another touch of gray opener. Um another throwing stones. Another throwing stones. We got a Frankenstein. he has gone. He's gone. Um I do like sometime um within Dead Bass they started making drums with a Z. I'm not sure when they've added that, but I've seen it now the past few weeks with drums is spelled with a Z. Um Edgy. We, <laughs> we get up going down the road feeling bad, um, and then two encores. And the encore is with uh, Etta and the Tower of Power Horns. Um, hard to handle and tell Mama. Um, what is yeah, tell Mama? It's the,
2: uh, the it's, the, uh, it's not James. a Janis Joplin tune, but Joplin would do it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the rest of the song. That's not just tell Mama, tell Mama, tell Uh I've listened to the show after this, the, the next night, where Etta James and the Tower of Power come out again for the encore set. Uh, th- she and the Tower of Power have a lot of fun playing with the dead. She and Bobby especially have really good musical chemistry.
0: Who, who can quickly refresh my memory on the Tower of Power? Who did they play with predominantly?
2: Somebody uh... else, right? Yeah, they were a big um, studio backing band.
3: I'm not But they also of had their Lewis own thing going on too. No, yeah. I
1: think you're thinking of the, the same thing. Huey Lewis Tower
2: of
0: Oh yeah. Huey Lewis in the News featuring the Tower of Power horns. Oh yeah, okay, oh, wow. so I'm not crazy.
2: Oh yeah, no, they've done a bunch of, especially album stuff, they've just skimmed the Wikipedia article, Otis Redding, Aerosmith, Bonnie Raitt, Eric Clapton, Elton John, Little Feet, Hart, Stevie Nick, Santana, they're big on the, uh, 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 they're just great session guys, uh, that yeah. also do lead stuff with a, a, a vocalist in front of them.
0: Bonnie Raitt is a, uh... It's a little guilty pleasure of mine. I love Bonnie oh, Raitt. She's, she's incredible. <laughs> I
1: love Bouchers. I she shouldn't I'm be hidden. guilty love... about it. Yeah. Yeah, my, love... my mom is a big Bonnie Raitt fan and and she would play me a lot of stuff, you know, and unknowingly I was exposed to, you know, blues and, and that kind of feel. Actually, to be honest with you, a lot of Grateful Dead songs sound like Bonnie Raitt. you know, like just that kind of smoky blues, um, but also poppy, you know, and and relatable. Uh the thing I'll say about this twelve thirty eighty two Oakland Col- Oakland Auditorium show is It will be featuring it um, in the last week of two thousand twenty-two. So this Uh, is what was going on forty years ago. Pretty cool.
0: It is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's go ahead and do our bookkeeping here for the evening. Uh, As always, everybody's please smash the subscribe button, like, and share this with any and all of your Grateful Dead and music-loving friends and family. Uh, You may find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded, however, not on a software that happens to rhyme with SWATify. If it's a green logo and it rhymes with SWATify, you won't find us on there. However, you will find us at wherever Ever, um, podcasts are downloaded uh, you may find us directly on the web at helponthewaypod.podbean.com you may email us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com you may find us on reddit at reddit.com slash r slash grateful dead and of course my twitch channel twitch.tv slash the gd channel um, that is everything for me for the evening any parting words from knob or fig
1: Uh, Happy holidays.
3: Thanks for tuning in.
2: Good night. Normally I steal a quote that they said during the show, but there wasn't really much talking between the songs. Uh, Good night. (laughs) And thank you
0: once again for listening to another episode of the Help on the Way podcast. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>
3: Awoke a day, built this son of man. The covers were still warm where you've been laid. today G <laughs>